All right, let's grab our blessings and sit down. <laughs> so uh, I've never paid much uh, attention to uh, British royalty, <clears throat> mainly because I don't really care. Uh, my, my senior year in high school, some lady named Diana was, uh, was uh, marrying Prince Charles, and people were going crazy uh, over the thing. Some kids in my youth group and, and even some adults that I uh, heard talking were, were, were saying they were going to get up in the middle of the night so they could watch uh, the wedding on TV, and I thought they were nuts. I mean, who really cares? And apparently, a lot of people cared. Uh, because the estimated global TV audience for that wedding was 750 million people. You know, when you're, when you're part of the royal family, <clears throat> I was not one of the 750 million, just you know. When you're part of the royal family, one of the things you uh, get uh, with that is a lot of titles to go with your name. So, after marrying Prince Charles, Lady Diana became... Her Royal Highness, the Princess of Wales and Countess of Chester, Duchess of Cornwall, Duchess of Rothesey, Countess of Carrick, Baroness of Renfrew, Lady of the Isles, Princess of Scotland. But that's nothing compared to the title for the reigning monarch of England, who, as you know, currently is Queen Elizabeth II. Her title's like at least three times as long as that. And officially, the, the monarch uh, is also the head of the Church of England. So part of their royal title is the statement, Defender of the Faith. The king or queen is supposed to be on guard for the truths of Scripture at least as they're espoused by the Church of England. Prince Charles, who is the heir apparent, said he'd rather not do that. Some time ago, he announced that he'd actually like to tweak that title so as not to elevate Christianity over Islam, Hinduism, or Wicca, or anything else. He said, quote, I personally would rather see it as defender of faith rather than the faith. He went on to explain he sees himself as defender, quote, of the divine in existence, the pattern of the divine, which is, I think, in all of us, but which, because we are human beings, can be expressed in so many different ways, end quote. Which just goes to show, of course, that uh, Prince Charles has bought into some of the most pervasive false teaching that is out there today. Last Sunday, we looked at the concept of truth, mostly to establish the fact that there is, in fact, no matter what so many other people try to say, such a thing is truth, which, of course, means, among other things, that not all religious claims or beliefs can be or are equally valid, especially since so many of them are contradictory. Both common sense and logic would lead us to the conclusion that there is, in fact, such a thing as ultimate absolute truth. But as believers, we have more than that. We also have the direct teaching of Scripture and of Jesus Christ himself, who affirmed, yes, there is truth. And we also saw that Jesus confirmed that his teaching and the word of God is truth. And, and, and 
So I wanted to spend a week establishing that first because the sermon by request that we were looking at said this, the Bible warns against false teaching and false teachers. Even the elect, God's chosen ones, can be deceived according to Matthew 24, 24. So what are some false teachings or teachers today to be aware of? And how can we be sure of what or who is false and what is true? And obviously, before you <clears throat> can talk about error or falsehood, you must have truth. That's why we started with that last week. But today, we are going to look at the questions that uh, were raised in this uh, sermon request, uh, specifically dealing with false teachings and teachers. So to get us started, though, let's turn to the book of Acts. Hopefully, you got your Bible. You can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20, and follow along as I read verses 27 through 30 it says this for i did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of god be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the holy spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of god which is purchased with his own blood i know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Father God, we thank you so much for the, the clarity and the power of your word. Uh, God, we know this is an important topic. We pray your Holy Spirit be free to work in our hearts and lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in, in preparing for today, I, I thought, well, maybe the simplest thing would be to follow the outline provided by the person who wrote this request. She highlighted five different points in her questions, which are as follow. The biblical warnings against false teaching, the deceptiveness of false teaching, the content, at least content of some current false teachings, the purveyors of that teaching, and then finally, how to discern between truth and falsehood or error. So that's a lot. Uh, let's uh, just plow right into it and get going. The first is this biblical warning against falsehood, both in teachings and the teachers. And that's why I started with the verses that I did today. The speaker for those verses, as, as many of you probably know, was the Apostle Paul. And he was on his way to Jerusalem uh, and uh, had stopped to meet. He didn't even he didn't even actually travel into the city of Ephesus. He had the elders and leaders of the church meet him, uh, and he was giving them what uh, they suspected, everybody suspected, would be his final message to them. Uh, in fact, Paul declared that he, he believed uh, that he would never see them again. And so, therefore, he is highlighting and giving them the things that he, that he believed were essential, the absolute most important things. Uh, aspects that he could give them and, and with the verses we read there you see he starts by telling them be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the holy spirit has made you overseers to, to be on guard means to be vigilant to be to be actively watching for something and, and that kind of caution is only necessary for something that is a real and present danger you don't say be on guard for something that's not going to happen. And, and so what was it they were supposed to be actively watching out for? 
Well, that's what the next verse tells us. It says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Wolves is a common designation for uh, these purveyors of false teaching, one which Jesus himself used, as, as we'll see a little later on in the message. But, but notice that these false teachers, where are they going to come from? It, it says that they will come in from outside. They're going to come in to you. But then it also says they will rise up from among you, from inside, from the membership of the church or even the leadership of the church. And maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, you know, those, those people in Ephesus, they, they needed that kind of warning because, you know, they were living in a perverse, sex-crazed society that was awash with all kinds uh, of weird religious beliefs. It's not anything like America. I mean, and maybe that's the first thing we, we have to understand, right? These biblical warnings against false teaching and false teachers, they are as relevant and as important for us today as they were for the people that received them back then. And I know that I've, I've mentioned this before, but it, it bears uh, repeating. Something only needs to be mentioned one time in the Bible for it to be authoritative and, and significant for us, right? However, if, if God really wants to emphasize something so that we'll be sure to pay attention and get it, well, then he repeats it. And the warnings against false teaching and, and false teachers, they are repeated multiple times all over the New Testament. In fact, it show up in practically every single book uh, of the New Testament and, and, and comes from, from all the different authors. We already looked at one from the Apostle Paul. Here's one from the Apostle Peter. He said this, first referring to history in Israel and then uh, to the church. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Now, I could take you to a, a whole bunch of other references in the New Testament, but, uh, but I, I think you get the point. The, these warnings for us are all over the place. But, but this verse from Peter, I, th I think, is a good place for us to move on to the, the second point uh, brought out by the person making this request, and that is the, the deceptiveness of false teaching and the way it worms its way into the church. Rarely is false teaching blatant and obvious. Sometimes, but not always. I mean, several years ago, I was, uh, uh, one of my relatives gave me a, a copy uh, of the Weekly World News, one of those, you know, tabloid-type newspapers that you can get. You see them in the grocery lines, the checkout lanes. And, and this, this particular issue was from June of 1992, which meant that she had kept it for a lot of years before giving it to me. And the reason she kept it was unfortunately because she was rather gullible and undiscerning. And she thought that this was pretty amazing and might be kind of unique and thought that maybe I would want to know this stuff. The, the headlines say this, Adam and Eve's skeleton found in Colorado. 
And you know it's true because, I mean, there's a picture of skeletons right there. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, sub-headline says, The Bible's Garden of Eden Discovered South of Denver. Uh, and, and on the bottom, amazing proof, the book of Genesis is true. Now, it doesn't take a lot of discernment to realize how far off that is. I mean, just one quick reading of the Bible would tell you, you know, the Garden of Eden uh, was around the uh, Euphrates and Tigris River were mentioned, and my geography is not great, but I'm pretty sure those don't flow anywhere near Colorado since they're on another continent. Usually, false teaching is not that easy to identify. You notice what Peter says there? False teachers will introduce their destructive heresies or teachings secretly, it says. Now, secretly doesn't mean that nobody else will know it's a secret. I can't tell anybody because the whole point of false teaching is to try to get as many people sucked in as possible. It means that they do it in such a way that nobody notices or sees what is being done. I mean, they're not going to walk up to the pastor and say, hey, I'd like to be a teacher in your church because I think we need to tell everybody that the Bible's got it all wrong. Jesus is really the bad guy who is trying to oppress you and keep you down. Satan is the one who leads you into freedom. Satan is here to set you free from, from guilt because there really is no such thing as sin. Satan was telling Eve the truth in the Garden of Eden, and Jesus is the one who is trying to uh, limit your life and your enjoyment uh, by trying to get you to deny uh, following your heart and your desires. How many Bible-believing churches do you think would say, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead and do that? Not very many, right? By the way, I didn't just randomly make up that illustration. That's a true and real teaching that is out there. It's gained a, a fair amount of popularity. It actually is an ancient uh, uh, falsehood called Luciferianism, uh, but it gained some new life through the 60s and 70s, through the the women's lib movement, uh, where Satan was depicted as setting Eve free from male domination. And according to these teachings, Lucifer is a symbol of enlightenment, independence, and human progression. It's actually moved beyond uh, the women's movement now and gained some traction both with male and female followers, mostly based on a book by Michael W. Ford who called it uh, the 11 Luciferian Points of Power. It's out there. You can buy it. False teachings everywhere. Anyway, most Bible-believing Christians and churches, they're, they're not going to fall for that, stand for that kind of thing, right? Because that's so blatant and obvious. And, and yet, the truth is, there are many Christians and churches and religious organizations and even whole denominations who have been sucked into false teaching. And that happens because the teaching are introduced secretly, uh, as, as Peter says, in a way that no one would really notice. Jude, 
gives us a, a little bit more detail about how that happens. He says, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So from that, we can see that these false teachers first become a part of the congregation, crept in unnoticed. How do you creep in unnoticed? By looking like everybody else that's around you, by talking like everybody else that's around you, by fitting in. They did that. And then they slowly worked their way up into a position of being able to teach leadership so that then they were able to spread their falsehoods. And for those of you who are note-takers, we're going to kind of mix points two and three now as we talk about uh, how they creep in unnoticed, but also what the content of some of the, uh, the teachings are. You know, there's, there's actually a great deal of false teaching that does come in from the outside. Notice, uh, remember back in Acts, he said it's going to come from outside and from inside. And, and there's false teachings from the outside um, that say things like, you know, uh, all roads lead to heaven. Or it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about what you believe or that what truly matters is your behavior. I mean, if, if you try to be good, if you treat other people well, if, if you're trying to do nice things and be a nice person and do good deeds in society, well, then that will get you to heaven. And, and those false teachings, they come in from the outside, but the way they infiltrate the church then is by getting church attenders to believe that and start thinking about that and do that and then they start talking about that and spreading that around there and it, it just slowly infiltrates the church and, and that exact thing has happened so that even right now there are many churches and denominations in America who have embraced those very falsehoods that I just mentioned and, and they're teaching them from the pulpit and none of them can be supported by the Bible. The Bible teaches that there is one road that leads to heaven. It, it says that sincerely believing a falsehood just means you'll be sincerely wrong. And that your behavior cannot be good enough to get you into heaven because the standard is perfection. And none of us is perfect. That's why we need Jesus. Rarely, you see, are these false teachings introduced into the church full scale because they would be so obvious. You'd think people would turn away from them immediately. They're introduced secretly. They're introduced with mostly truth and just a tiny bit of error. Or they're introduced by hiding behind several other true statements but, but putting your blatant falsehood behind those to obscure what's going on. Or you take the truth, and again, you start with the truth, and you twist it just a bit, just so it's a little off course. And you can twist it again later and twist it again later. I want to show you how that works with a, a current false teaching that is 
trying to bully its way into the church in America right now. And I'm going to do that by reading just a few parts of a newspaper uh, clipping that uh, came out just uh, less than two weeks ago. Um, the headline for it is, Is Homosexuality Okay? And uh, then a yes with an exclamation point after it. That's the headline. And it says, I am writing in response to an article in the Chronicle last week condemning the LGBTQ plus community. They had to add the plus there because they keep getting more letters and it was, it was getting too long. So um, I, I want to assure this community that not all pastors and not all churches feel the way that article portrayed. As a pastor, I want to share that our congregation believes that all people are loved, accepted, and welcomed by God. We do not condemn people for who they are, who they were created to be, because God is the one who created them. I personally have known so many deeply faithful Christian people who identify as LGBTQ+. They have displayed selfless Christ-like love in their lives, devoting themselves to their Savior. I have no doubt that Christ has claimed them as his own, just as Christ claims me. Being LGBTQ+, does not disqualify anyone from being fully Christian. Christ calls all kinds of different people to himself, making his family beautifully diverse. We believe all people are welcome in Christ's church and loved by God. Now, you, you might think that this article came from, you know, some metropolitan area or maybe, you know, east or west coast. But this was san, signed by uh, Pastor Pam Power, Custer Lutheran Fellowship. Came out in the Custer Chronicle just last week. It's right here in our own neighborhoods. And did you notice how this minister used some biblical truths to support her position? She said, we believe all people are welcome in Christ's church and loved by God. That's absolutely true. Christ calls all kinds of different people to himself. That's also true. God created all people. That's another truth. But those truths were used to obscure her falsehoods by misapplying them and by leaving out some important aspects. God created all people. He loves all people. He calls all people to himself, yes. But she forgot to mention that God calls all people to repentance and salvation because all people are sinners in need of a Savior. He loves us, but he loves us enough not to leave us floundering in our sin. And in spite of the efforts put forth by so many, sexual sin is clearly denounced as wrong in the Bible, whether that is sex outside of the bonds of marriage, adultery, or homosexuality. Now please understand, all those sins are covered by the grace and mercy of God but they're covered as we repent, which means turning away from our sins and receiving God's forgiveness and grace. She didn't mention any of that. In fact, she very clearly implied that you're perfectly acceptable in your sin and you don't have to change. You can be what you want to be. Complete falsehoods. See, it's because error gets introduced, couched, 
in terms that either contain a, a kernel of truth or are surrounded by true statements that it can get in and begin to deceive congregations. But there's actually another reason that it works that way. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Here's the sad fact. Many people prefer to feel good. That is, to have their ears tickled rather than to submit themselves to the truth. And it's that attitude that makes it easy for false teachers to infiltrate the church. In fact, as those verses suggest, the, the people there will actually look for those kind of teachers. Bring them in. They're going to accumulate them for themselves. This, this is what we want to hear. And as a result, churches will be inundated with false teaching. It's not here or there. It's not a rare, random event. And unfortunately, we don't have time to get into a bunch of the specifics in terms of content of false teaching. So let me give you three general thoughts that, that these are things you can use to help identify and, and, and be aware of. So let's, let's go back to that verse in Jude, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So you, you notice from that verse, there's actually two categories there of false teaching, turning grace into licentiousness and denying Jesus. False teaching actually almost always falls into one of three groupings, those two and one more that I'll mention in, in a few minutes here. Licentiousness means unfettered immorality, but is generally more specifically applied to sexual immorality. And we've seen just from that last example how that's working through the homosexual movement. But it's not like heterosexuals wanted to be left out. The Episcopal Church, the uh, hierarchy of the Episcopal Church, decided that they needed to reevaluate the morality of extramarital sex a as if somehow the Bible's teachings on it might have changed. So in their reevaluation, they decided that they should drop their opposition to extramarital sex and, and shacking up and instead applaud it as a, quote, a new path from the single state to the married one. Then I read about several ch churches that want to pacify the transgender crowd. Then some of them did this by holding drag queen events as part of their morning worship service. One uh, Presbyterian church in Cincinnati had the pastor dressed in complete drag and called the children up on stage and sit around his feet, but rather than giving a children's sermon as was typical or read from the Bible, he read them the book Pride, the story of Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag. 
Or you could go to the United Church of Christ in Ames, Iowa. They had a drag party at the church. In fact, they were encouraging the children to dress in drag and to have a contest to see who could be the drag king and queen. Fortunately, they assured the parents that there would be adult supervision. Or you could move on to abortion and the morality of that, but abortion itself is usually pushed as a way of removing consequences of sexual sin, licentiousness. You know, this past year, the pro-abortion organization, the National Abortion Federation, named the very Reverend Catherine Hancock Ragsdale as the organization's new president and CEO. Ragsdale is, is a uh, openly gay Episcopal priest married to another Episcopal priest named Mally Lloyd, and she's been an outspoken advocate for abortion rights. She preached that abortion was a blessing, saying, quote, abortion providers are some of my personal heroes and modern-day saints. With just these examples, you can see how false teaching leads people away from biblical morality and instead introduces a worldly idea or concept of what is right and wrong, which in reality means hardly anything is wrong. But many false teachers, the second category, also lead away from the biblical understanding of the person and work of Jesus Christ. In other words, they are denying Jesus. Now again, they don't go in and, and deny Jesus, say, hey, you guys got it all wrong. Qu quit, quit thinking about Jesus. They deny Jesus by teaching falsehoods about him. Remember the the previous examples of, you know, all roads lead to heaven or sincerity in, in any belief is good enough or, or being good enough is all it takes. All of those are a denial of the unique work of Christ for salvation because you know what? You don't need Jesus if those other things are true. So it's a way of denying Jesus even as they'll talk about Jesus. Besides that, in those things, if you come across any preacher who is afraid to preach on the issues of sin and repentance or will not affirm the literal, physical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Will not affirm the truth of the virgin birth and therefore the unique uh, aspect of Jesus being fully God and fully man. Those are all ways of denying the reality of who Jesus is. And when you begin to deny the truth of Jesus, then you open the door for all kinds of other false religious beliefs and leaders. And you can do it even while talking about Jesus. Along with licentiousness and, and denying Jesus, there's a third grouping of, of falsehoods and false teachers that's evident from 2 Peter chapter 2. We looked at verse 1 earlier where, where he talked about false teachers will arise uh, up among you. And the verse 2 in that chapter goes on to say, many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be a maligned and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. 
Greed includes not only a lust for money, but also power and influence. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Any preacher that spends more time asking for money or talking about money than they do preaching and teaching the fundamental doctrines of Scripture, they are leading you down the wrong path. Any preacher who promises you worldly wealth and pleasures is not speaking the truth. Jesus said, you take up your cross. We're told through many tribulations you enter the kingdom of God. You're told that Jesus said, uh, you, you know, or uh, uh, Paul said that all those who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. Maybe you're wondering, man, this is all over the place. This is in so many churches right here in America. How could all this happen? Let me take you to another verse. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Seared in their own conscience. That means they, they're going to believe what they're doing is right, that it's okay. They'll be sincere. The see, false teaching doesn't just happen because man is corrupt. They happen because Satan is attacking the church. He knows that the church is the bride of Christ and, and that, that it is God's chosen instrument for reaching the world with the gospel. And so Satan attacks. Now, we don't, we don't need to be scared of that because Jesus himself said he'll be the defender and, and, and the builder, protector and builder of the church, right? But that does mean we need to be aware of the reality of this spiritual battle because it is everywhere and out there, and we have to be on guard. That's what Scripture says, be on guard. There will be false teachers, and they frequently will work to corrupt the gospel of Jesus. In fact, again, Jesus himself spoke of this. Listen to what he said as we turn to that final question in the request. Of how can we know? How can we discern what is true and false? In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? See, it's, it's the fruits that we need to look for. But, you know, you say, well, man, that, that can actually be kind of difficult. It's hard, right? Because they're dressed in sheep's clothing. They will look like other Christian teachers. They will sound like Christian teachers. They'll hold a Bible. They'll even quote some Bible verses. Otherwise, how is it that they could possibly creep in unnoticed and secretly introduce their teachings if they didn't? In fact, Jesus went on to say this, many Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, preach and teach in your name? Did we not cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? See, that means these, these people, these false teachers, are doing all kinds of amazing, great religious things. They may have mega churches and do all kinds of good deeds. So how is it then that we could actually discern who is speaking truth and, and who is only pretending and subtly leading 
people astray? And the only answer is by a rigorous examination of what they actually teach, comparing it to what? One final standard, truth. Your word is truth, Jesus said. Scripture is what it has to be compared to. It. And then <laughs> take a close look at the character. Look for issues in those three groupings that we talked about. Is it a type of teaching that's going to lead people away from biblical morality? Then it's false. Does it in any way deny the supreme position of Jesus Christ? Then it's false. Is it focused on greed? Filling your earthly desires or theirs? If any of those three things are present, I would run away from them, no matter what else they teach. Remember, they're going to couch it in truth. There's going to be truth in and around it. But run away from that. We, we must employ Jesus' command in John 7, 24. Do not judge according to appearance, because it's going to look good on the outside. But he says, do judge with righteous judgment. That means that it's not only okay, but it's actually critical for us and necessary for our spiritual health to take a, a close look. We, we need to judge in this way. Now, again, we obviously have to guard against being overly critical. There's some people who seem to have as their ministry the goal of bashing every other Christian teacher and denouncing anyone who doesn't believe exactly the way they do or do things exactly the way they would do things. We, we have to watch out for that extreme as well, but uh, understanding there are is room for some disagreement in secondary issues. But when it comes to the gospel, who God is, the person and work of Jesus Christ, salvation, we need to be careful and discerning. Therefore, we must wisely judge both the things we are hearing and the messenger, comparing it to what the Bible clearly declares. That's the only way that we can know truth from error. Let's pray. Father God, it's sad to think about how much error has crept in unnoticed, secretly been introduced, in churches today. God, we pray you would guard our hearts and our lives from that falsehood. We trust in you and in your word to guide us into truth. Father, we pray that we could be lights that shine in graceful and loving ways upon your truth, knowing that your truth will be attack but help us to stand firm we pray this in Jesus name amen would you please stand with me